And on that sheet of paper are three circles with a little bit cut out of them so they look like three Pac-Mans. They're all facing each other. And the psychologist says to you, what do you see? You say, I see a triangle. The triangle's not there. There are, that is to say, there are not three lines making the shape of a triangle, but your brain fills in the space. It sees those three circles with those little bits cut out of them, and you, the shape of a triangle is suggested to you. Haven't you ever done one of those uh, eye-brain experiments where you see a bunch of dots and your brain can't help but imagine lines between those dots? This is called filling in. Your brain likes to fill in the gaps. Your brain likes to solve problems. Your brain likes order and it hates disorder. This is so natural to us. That's why when you are hanging your picture, it has to be flush with the door frame. Otherwise, it's going to bother you for the rest of your life as long as that picture is up there. And if you hang that picture up and it's crooked, even just by one degree, you won't be able to live with it. This is why when I buy my son a Lego set and we start to put them together, I can't rest until the Legos are completely put together. Aren't you, haven't you had moments like that? You start a project and you can't stop until it's done. And if you do have to take a step away, you can't stop thinking about it. It's because your brain wants solutions. Your brain hates problems. It wants order. It hates disorder. This is even why if someone's trying to speak they can't think of the word they're trying to say. A lot of us will just blurt it out. Are you thinking of this? Because we wanted them to just finish their sentence. We're in such a hurry. Brain hates problems. It wants solutions. And sometimes we will obsess over the solution to a problem. The Bible's pretty blunt. The Bible's pretty clear. Each of us has, is born, even from conception, has the worst problem of all. We are infected with the problem of sin. We are infected with the disease of sin. That's the problem. And the human race, ever since, ever since sin dawned on the human race and came into the picture, we have been profoundly obsessed with how to deal with this problem of sin. Almost everything we do under the sun is motivated by how do we solve the problem of our sin. If you don't believe me, then just think. Think about how often you hear somebody else or you yourself are tempted to compare yourself to someone else. Well, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm no Hitler. At least I'm no serial killer. Or you see online or in conversations, people signaling out the, the, the sinful actions of other people. What are they doing? They're trying to magnify someone else's problems so that my problem doesn't seem so big. Or we pour ourselves into reading, into work, into pleasure, into, into entertainment, even in ways that don't seem that harmful, but we pour ourselves into them to run from the guilt that we feel. Or we try to bury the guilt that we feel in a mountain of good deeds so that we can live with ourselves, so that we can look at ourselves in the mirror. Well, I did all that stuff in the past, but I'm doing better now. I'm trying to make up for it, we say. And if you have done any of those things, and each of us has at one point or another, did it work? Never. We can't solve the problem 
of our own sin. No matter how much we obsess about it, no matter how much it keeps us up at night, we ourselves cannot solve the problem of sin. Now, I heard a proponent of the death penalty talking about this for a, a little bit, not about sin, but he felt very strongly that the death penalty should be used, especially for criminals who show that they cannot be rehabilitated, for criminals who show that they will always be a danger to themselves and to the people around them. Boy, if that's true about our sin, what position do we find ourselves in? We, as long as we are alive, we keep sinning. We show time and time again that we cannot be rehabilitated. Even these, these efforts these, that we go through to try to cover up our sin, to try to run from sin, to try to bury sin, we find that sin always follows us. No matter how, how many good deeds you try to bury your guilt with, it rises up like a zombie from a TV show and follows you through your life. No matter how many actions you do, no matter how many activities you cram your schedule with, work and pleasure and entertainment, the moment that you sit down and you have a second to yourself, it catches right back up with you. Memories of the things you've done. And you can compare yourself to someone else. You can say, well, at least I'm not like that person, but it doesn't change the fact that you indeed have sinned. So since we show that spiritually we cannot be rehabilitated, we are deserving of the spiritual death penalty. We can't run from it. What would happen if we stopped? If we stopped running from this feeling that something's not right, stopped running from our obsession with our problems, stopped and acknowledged that we are messed up and there's nothing we can do about our own sin, what would that give us? What would that lead us toward? In fact, it's that very feeling that Paul praises the Corinthians for having. He says, you guys knew that you're sinful, and he's proud of them for it. Not because it led them to whip their backs and to punish themselves, but, it be, but because of what it led them to do. This is what Paul says. Now I am happy. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation... What alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was neither on account of the one who did wrong, nor on account of the injured party, but rather that before God, you could see for yourself how devoted to us you are. By all this, we are encouraged. True or false? God wants you to feel bad. Depends on what you mean by feeling bad. If what we mean by God wants you to feel bad, that God wants you to be depressed, that God wants you to hate yourself and your life, that God wants you to despair of everything and just say, well, I'm going to hell anyway, then obviously false, right? But godly sorrow can be a good thing. In fact, it is. 
because God will send us very harsh messages in Scripture. We call that the law. The Apostle Paul, at some time before 2 Corinthians, had to write a letter to, to the Corinthians to tell them that they were sinning. And it caused them to obsess over the problem of that sin. They wanted a solution, but they sought that solution the only way, they, the only place they could find it. In God's grace. God wants you to be awake and aware of your sins so that you can give up trying to bury it, hide it, run from it on your own, and see that the solution to your greatest problem is already there. So that you can open your eyes and stop looking at yourself to solve the problem of your sin, but look up and see Jesus, whom God sent to save you. That you could see the cross where Jesus paid the price for your sin. It's been done. Stop trying to do what Jesus has already done. You are already forgiven. Problem already solved. Your sin, your guilt is already removed from you. Don't stop there. Follow Jesus to the grave and then back to life with the empty tomb to see that the death sentence that you deserve has been paid already, paid in full. That you are victorious over your sin, over your death. Not through you, but through Christ. Then your godly sorrow that started out with that awareness of the problem that you had, God uses to guide us to see our life in Christ. Godly sorrow brings life. Worldly sorrow brings death wallowing in our own guilt apart from God, trying to hide our guilt apart from God. That just leads to more guilt. That just leads to wandering in our own sin. But be directed to God, to Christ, even by sorrow. What's the point of us gathering here this evening? What's the point of the ashes? What's the point of Lent, of extra worship services? It is not to prove to God anything he doesn't already know. It is not to get God to do anything he hasn't already done. But it's so that we open our eyes again and again and see our great need for a Savior it's so that we can see the Savior we have already. So that godly sorrow can bring us life. Does God want you to feel bad? How about we don't talk about how God wants you to feel for a second. What does God want you to have? God wants you to have peace with him. He sent his son to die on a cross to rise from a grave to give you a peaceful relationship with the God who made you. God wants you to have the promise of eternal life. He raised Jesus from the dead to guarantee that you too will rise, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons will separate you from the love of God. God wants you to have an unshakable joy, knowing that he loves you through and through. Now how does all that stuff make you feel? Probably makes you feel pretty good. I'll bet you how it, I'll bet you, uh, I'll show you what it doesn't make you feel doesn't make you feel real keen on cozying back up to sin. Now that my sin is paid for and Jesus died for me, I'm going to let it back into my life. No, that doesn't make sense. 
The problem, brothers and sisters, is still there. The sinful nature still plagues us this side of heaven. What do we do? How do we respond when it shows its head again, when we sin again? Because as long as we're alive this side of heaven, we will be tempted, we will sin. What do we do in those moments? We do what the Corinthians did. We see the problem. And it's okay to be bothered by the problem, but where do you go next? Always back to the cross where you see your sin paid for. Always back to God's grace, where you see that apart from anything you have done, God loves you. Always back to God's word for our guide, for our ruler, for our measure, for how we should live. We should be eager to close the loop, to solve the problem and see its solution in Jesus. Obsess over that. Rest, rest, don't rest until you see Jesus' solution for your sin on the cross. You see, you will be letting God's sorrow be brought to completion. It is supposed to bring you back to Christ, who is your life. Amen.